You're listening to Rounding at Rush, a Rush University Medical Center podcast that features the latest clinical advances, research, and innovations. I'm your host, Dan Dean. Dr. Pete Batra, an internationally recognized rhinologist and interior skull-based surgeon at Rush University Medical Center, joins the podcast today to talk about the skull base and pituitary surgery program at Rush. He is the chair of the Department of Otorhinolaryngology, head and neck surgery at Rush. He serves as the co-director of the Rush Center for Skull Base and Pituitary Surgery and as the medical director of the Rush Sinus Allergy and Asthma Center. Dr. Batra is also the clinical leader of the ENT, Dermatology, and Audiology Service Line, and is a professor at Rush Medical College. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Batra. Thank you, Dan. Good to be with you. I want to start our conversation today by talking about the skull base and pituitary surgery program in general. Can you give us a broad overview of the conditions that you treat and some of the available treatment options for patients who come to the center? Sure. Uh, The Rush Center for Skull Base and Pituitary Surgery uh, was launched in 2014, and it was really developed to bring together collective expertise from my specialty, ENT or otorhinolaryngology, neurosurgery, and many other collaborative services to really elevate the care of skull-based disorders. Then, as you know, the skull base is an interface between the brain as it sits within the cranial cavity and the nose and sinuses anteriorly, and the ear and the temporal bone laterally. It's the confluence of many critical structures, including the brain, eyes, cranial nerves, and major blood vessels that traverse from the the cranial cavity into the head and neck region. So any of these surgeries can be challenging, can be at times risky endeavors, and being able to, to pool our collective expertise, we're able to achieve some of the best quality outcomes in the country. So this center was developed really to treat a diversity of complex skull-based disorders and and really has the expertise to tackle even the most rare and difficult of conditions. We manage a variety of conditions, the most common of which are benign and and malignant tumors of the skull base, such as uh, pituitary tumors, acoustic neuroma, meningiomas, and sinus cancers that really start within the nose and paranasal sinuses, but will often extend up to the skull base and and many times even into the uh, brain compartment. We also manage spinal fluid leaks uh, that can arise at the skull base and we're able to close these through the nose or complex orbital pathology working with our colleagues in oculoplastic surgery and uh, neurosurgery. So, Uh, We offer a variety of different surgical approaches uh, through the center. Many of these tumors can now be tackled through minimally invasive endoscopic route. Typically, we'll use the endoscope as a tool to perform the surgery via the transnasal route. And many of our patients just can avoid any sort of disfiguring incisions or a craniotomy that will often require a brain retraction to access the tumor. This can significantly reduce the risk profile of the surgery with a lower rate of complications and faster recovery to health for many of our patients. To give you a sense with the traditional open approaches, some of these patients may be in the hospital for weeks, and many times the surgery is truly life-altering and impacting the way they function, how they work. And now, after many of these procedures, they can walk out uh, of the hospital within three to five days. 
We offer other surgical techniques such as microsurgery for tumors and, and other pathology that involves the ear and temporal bone. And of course, there are still many tumors that require a more traditional open approach to achieve the best outcome for tumor removal. And our center performs all of these approaches as well. Yeah, Rush really occupies a unique space in this area. Um, there's only about 5% of U.S. hospitals who can evaluate and treat as many patients with these pituitary and skull-based tumors as, as we do here at Rush. So given that, can you talk about how Rush came to specialize in this area, kind of the history leading up to the specialization? How did you carve out this niche that you have? Yeah, we're incredibly fortunate to have a, a tremendous collaboration with neurosurgery. They are really our partners in this endeavor of skull-based surgery. Dr. Byrne has been, is the chair of neurosurgery and has been in the forefront of skull-based surgery for almost 25 years. I've been doing skull-based surgery for almost 20 years and at Rush in my capacity as chair of the department since 2014. So when I started here, and even before I started here, one of the first individuals that I met with was Dr. Byrne to, to, to really bring together our collective expertise to establish the center. It's something we're both very passionate about. This is what we do day in and day out. But we thought that really formalizing a center was critical for several reasons. One, when you codify this collaboration within the institution, we're able to direct appropriate resources and personnel support to, to really build and grow the center. It allows us to align other key services to this unified vision, such as head and neck surgery, facial plastic surgery, radiation oncology, medical oncology, ophthalmology, radiology, pathology, and supportive services to really bring all these key players uh, around our patients. And, you know, one of the other key things is, you know, patients don't understand divisions and departments. They have a problem and they're looking to come to a place where physicians can come around them to help them navigate and, and come up with the best solutions for their problems. So, Having this center is very patient-centric in that manner. It allows us to come together so patients are able to more easily navigate the complex healthcare system that, that they often interface with. We're able to coordinate through our nursing team consultations, uh, imaging studies, and it really allows for a better patient experience and ultimately better outcomes, especially during a time of high stress for them. So for me personally, you know, my journey started in minimally invasive skull-based surgery almost 20 years ago. Uh, I was very fortunate to train uh, and do my fellowship at the Cleveland Clinic with mentors who were on the forefront of the field when it was still in its infancy about 20 years ago. We learned a lot as we contributed to developing and refining many of these techniques. Uh, we were one of the first centers in the, in the country and really the world to report on outcomes of management of skull-based cancers using the endoscopic techniques when it was still very controversial. But, you know, 20 years of accrued data uh, has now confirmed that we can perform these procedures safely with excellent outcomes. Since I started doing this, uh, you know, at the inception of the endoscopic techniques, it's become an area of expertise and, and passion over the years. And really what continues to drive me to do this is the human connection with the patients. You know, skull-based surgery patients are some of the most grateful patients and really the ability to, to impact somebody in a very difficult situation where they have a tumor that's pushing into their brain, pushing into their eye. These are 
often life-saving surgeries and, and being able to have that sort of an impact on patients. Uh, I just take that as an incredible privilege and it's continued to drive me over my career. So I want to go back and talk about the center in general. And in addition to its multidisciplinary nature, the center benefits from the expertise of its physicians and the tools at their disposal to perform cutting edge procedures. Can you give us a couple of examples on how physician expertise and technology combine to give patients superior outcomes? Yeah, I think there's several key ingredients to this that can really allow us to, to, to provide patients the highest quality outcomes in the nation. Certainly, surgical uh, navigation at our disposal is critical to improve outcomes. Uh, we've recently invested in the next generation uh, surgical navigation platforms, both on the ENT and the neurosurgery sides, which allow us to pinpoint with submillimeter accuracy as, as we traverse the skull base region during surgery. It helps with uh, pre-op mapping and planning and being able to fuse CT and MR imaging uh, to really get uh, the, the best uh, depiction of the anatomy for the execution of our surgical steps. Intraoperative CT imaging can allow for real-time assessment and refinement of the surgical plan, again, with the goal to improve outcomes. So certainly having the, the, the latest and the greatest uh, tools, devices, instrumentation is important. But Dan, I would stress that really the most key aspect uh, is expertise. And None of the surgical tools, uh, the uh, innovation can can supplant the expertise and the uh, experience, which I really think is the uh, key ingredient to success. For me personally, I've been doing this for 20 years. Have in a in a space of rare tumors, and have now you know tackled 700 plus uh, tumors endoscopically and and via open approaches. Uh, I've repaired more than 240 cerebrospinal fluid leaks through the nose. So, you know, drawing on my own personal uh, experience over 20 years, Dr. Burns' experience over 25 years, and then just the collective expertise that's offered by five skull-based surgeons on the ENT side and three cranial-based neurosurgeons on the neurosurgery side, you know, I, I feel incredibly confident that our team can handle, you know, any skull-based challenge, you know, that's thrown our way. And one thing I wanted to bring up that augments that surgical expertise is the relationship that Rush has with Tempest to analyze the genetics of malignant tumors for the rare sinus skull base and brain cancers that ultimately lead to the identification of novel treatment strategies. Can you expand upon this relationship and how it's propelling patient care forward here at Rush? Yeah, I think it's been a, a tremendous advance for our patients. The uh, idea of precision medicine has now become a household term, patients understand it, they're looking for it. Rush announced its partnership with Tempest going all the way back in, in 2016, and really one of the one of the first uh, academic medical centers in the country to, to announce uh, this collaboration. Tempest is a, a precision uh, cancer care company, which is able to take uh, patients' tumors, uh, tissue, uh, and able to perform genomic profiling of the, uh, of the cancer to guide personalized cancer care. As you can imagine, this becomes even more crucial when dealing with skull-based cancers since they are rare. So the ability to perform uh, genomic profiling of these tumors uh, it can really be instrumental. It's able to identify novel tumor alterations. We're able to unlock new therapeutic targets 
and even access to innovative clinical trials. I really feel this has been a significant advance for rare tumors. So when I see these patients for an initial opinion, we get a, we get a consent on that first visit to send off part of that tumor tissue if they've had biopsies on the outside for this genomic profiling, uh, which will then add to the overall array of treatment options that we're able to, to provide to our patients. So if they're coming to see us, sure, we can offer innovative surgical techniques, but we know that surgery for many of these difficult cancers is just not sufficient. We still need amazing radiation uh, oncology colleagues who can offer the, the latest techniques for stereotactic radiosurgery or intensity modulated radiotherapy. We need colleagues in medical oncology who can help us interpret this data from the genomic profiling so they can offer novel chemotherapy, chemotherapy modalities to our patients. So it's really added to our overall armamentarium of things that we can offer to our patients and it will become even more important for patients who come in because they've had a recurrence of their cancer where surgery may not be an option, uh, so they don't feel like they're at their end of their road and they don't have any more options. So we're able to unlock more unique therapeutic trials for them through this partnership. Can you maybe expand on one particular development since the partnership started in 2016 where, where they've found something that's really led to a breakthrough therapy or treatment? Is there one that we can highlight in particular here? Yeah, uh, we are currently in the process of looking at many of these rare cancers and, and still in the process of, of learning. So this is really uh, at, the, at the cutting edge and, and we're learning uh, more. Uh, but the, the one thing that certainly has changed the overall management of head and neck cancer is the, the new immunomodulating uh, therapies uh, that are now available so not traditional uh, chemotherapeutic uh, targets. And that's certainly been an important advance for management of head and neck uh, cancer. And I think it will be become more and more applicable to skull-based cancer as we learn more. I've worked at three academic medical centers uh, over my career. And one of the things that's really been a joy uh, of being part of Rush is that this is a place that really is patient-centric. We come around, uh, the, the you know, all of us, work around the patient to, to be able to, to really optimize our outcomes. And one of the ways we do that is through our conferences. We have a dedicated head and neck tumor board that meets on a weekly basis. So all of these cases are presented there. Uh, the neurosurgical team has a, a brain tumor board. So many of these cases are presented there. We do conferences together all the time. And beyond that, even, you know, not just the the, the structured format of meetings, we're able to come together at any given time to be able to talk about these cases because we operate all the time uh, together in the OR. So we're able to pull up these cases and really try to refine and, and come up with the best treatment plan for each of these patients. Uh, so that type of collaboration, I think, in that back and forth with all of our colleagues and, and having each other on speed dial really allows, I think, for the, the best of care for our patients. So I want to shift gears and talk about the research that Rush is conducting. Collectively, Rush has published over 300 articles on a wide range of topics related to pituitary and skull-based tumor surgery, including quality of life after skull-based surgery. So can you highlight maybe one or two publications that have had a transformative effect on the way you and perhaps even other institutions deliver care for these patients? 
Yeah, absolutely. Dan, I'll, I'll kind of tackle that question in, in kind of two parts. I think one is really how we, how we collaborate with each other on the academic front. We are an academic medical center. Yes, we're very clinically focused because we aspire to provide the best of care. Uh, but we're also academicians, so we, we research, we, we write, we learn from our patients, we publish those findings. We're also teachers and educators as well. So all of those are uh, core missions to who we are as uh, clinicians and surgeons. So our team is committed to advancing the field of skull-based surgery through conducting clinical research, publishing our findings in peer-reviewed literature. Uh, the fact that our teams in neurosurgery and ENT have published over 300 articles really attests to that uh, commitment. We're also committed to educating the next generation of physicians that are currently in residency and fellowship training. Uh, we just launched an advanced rhinology and skull-based uh, surgery fellowship this past year that allows for intensive study of skull-based disorders under our colleagues in ENT, working closely with our neurosurgery colleagues. One of the things that as a department we've invested in is a new skull-based surgery and temporal bone dissection lab, which is really going to further enhance the training experience of our residents and fellows. And it will really provide a platform for anatomic research innovation and with partnerships with uh, device companies. We're committed to educating physicians in practice as well. Um, I've lectured all over the country and the world and have personally delivered over 400 lectures to physicians. And really all of this is part of our, you know, our core mission as academicians. And all of these efforts are really to, to, to move the entire field forward and ultimately you know, serve to, to elevate the care of skull-based disorders. In my personal journey as a rhinologist, skull-based surgeon, I've been fortunate to collaborate with incredible researchers and have published over 200 peer-reviewed articles, uh, invited reviews and book chapters in my career. There's been many papers and, and areas of research that I feel are particularly meritorious. Uh, some of our Sentinel publications almost 20 years ago on the outcomes of uh, tumor surgery, specifically for skull-based cancer are very impactful. I can still think back that time because there was a healthy sense of skepticism when they were initially published. The data we had reported was really looking to uh, change the paradigm and uh, really the, the previous paradigm really turning it upside down. So there should be a healthy sense of skepticism, uh, but those papers have stood the test of time. Others across the country and the world have replicated those studies, sometimes even with larger series, using kind of the same uh, template that we outlined. One of my other kind of uh, personal uh, areas of interest has been publishing on uh, quality of life metrics after skull-based surgery. We've had several publications in the, in the last uh, seven to eight years that have looked at that, initially for skull-based cancer, most recently around endoscopic pituitary surgery. And many of these studies have shown the positive impact on the patient's quality of life, whether it comes to their, uh, their, their nasal function after surgery, but beyond that, even their psychological well-being, their ability to, to sleep, all of these things that we may take for granted as part of our daily life, uh, but being able to show that by doing this surgery, uh, we can achieve you know, excellent outcomes do the procedure safely and impact their quality of life in a positive way. 
has been uh, very gratifying for me at a professional level. There's also been some other interesting findings that we've learned along the way. And a lot of our quality of life data has shown that uh, tobacco use continues to be the one thing that really adversely impacts patients' quality of life, either if they were a smoker before they had the surgery or if they continue to smoke afterwards. Uh, and that continues to chip away at their overall quality of life, whether it comes to the rhinologic outcomes and how they function or their overall quality of life. Previous chemoradiation also seems to be one that adversely impacts patients' quality of life as well. We've learned now that radiation can really alter the anatomy and the way the nose and its physiology functions, and, and that can continue to have long-term impact on these patients. So a lot of times, not only am I following these patients long-term uh, just to ensure that they are cancer-free, but I'm following them from some of the sequelae that patients continue to suffer from, from the impact, whether it's related to the original tumor, the surgery, the ensuing chemoradiation and the side effects that can follow. So often I tell them that the journey, it just, you know, it, it starts, but it, you know, we're in it for the long haul. So those are some of the things that we've learned uh, over time as, uh, as we've published and, and learned from our patients. So I'm gonna conclude our interview by asking about, you know, given all the exciting developments around the research that Rush is doing and the clinical trials we're involved with, where do you see the center moving forward within the next few years? Yeah, there's a lot of things that, that are happening, which I think will continue to make this a center uh, bigger and better and allow us to serve uh, you know, a greater segment, not just in the Chicagoland area, but regionally and, and nationally. One of the things that we're currently in the process of building uh, is the uh, new Rubschlager Ambulatory Building. Uh, which will be which will open its door to new patients in early 2023. So we're just a little over a year away, and as you know, Dan, this uh, building is really geared towards bringing physicians together around cancer and neurosciences care. And the work that I do is at the crossroads of both. So being able to collaborate with oncologists and my neurosurgery colleagues in a new a building that is truly patient-centric and being able to co-localize with our colleagues, you know, it, it brings us just an incredible amount of excitement that we're going to be able to take the level of care that we provide <clears throat> through this center to even the next level. But beyond bricks and mortars at Rush uh, main campus, you know, as an organization, we're also committed to taking care directly into the community. Uh, we've opened locations in uh, Oak Brook. I have physicians that go to Aurora, Oak Park, uh, South Loop in the city, and that's just a starting point. Um, we want to be able to continue to bring that expertise all over Chicagoland closer to our patients' homes so they have better access, especially for our most vulnerable patients afflicted with difficult cancers. Many of them may not be able to, to travel and, and fight the traffic of, of the city of Chicago. So being able to come closer to them, I think there's a lot of excitement around that as well. And it's a, a commitment that we've made, uh, certainly as a center and, and as an organization to, to, to bring that high level of expertise closer to our patients. You know, I'm excited. We continue to recruit amazing people, which are really the, the lifeblood of the center. 
uh, when I started, it was just me and one other person and Dr. Byrne, and, and he had another partner. And since that time, we've recruited, you know, four or five other surgeons into the center. And I think that as we continue to fold more expertise into the center, it will allow us to offer, you know, a, a greater array of services and, and hopefully even provide better outcomes. So those are the things that continue to excite me about uh, being at Rush and, and spearheading the center. Wonderful. Well, Dr. Botcher, thanks for a great interview and, and sharing some insight about the, the center with us today. It's my pleasure, Dan. Thank you.